Amen. Isn't, isn't God good? It's amazing all throughout history that God always has somebody there to, to look out for, to intercede, to step in the gap. Amen. And nothing's changed today. God has called us for a purpose. So for such a time as this, amen, we all have something and a, a plan and a purpose in our life that God wants us to do. Amen. And, and nobody else can do it but you. But if we won't do it, then uh, like you said, God will find somebody to do it. But I want to do what God wants to do in my life, right? Amen. Amen. We're, tonight we're going to wrap up our, our series about the, the great gift, about the, the Son of God being born. Isaiah 9, 6, we know, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Aren't you thankful you know who he is? Amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Man, the past few weeks we've been diving into uh, this child being born, this term, Son of God, and, and who it is and what it means. And I think we've agreed and talked about that the term Son doesn't necessarily always mean uh, DNA or a biological offspring. But even through the law, as we learn that I can call somebody my son, I can adopt somebody legally and they can be my son, that has no genetic connection to me whatsoever. And we learn about how the son, uh, that term can kind of be like almost like a jacket that you can wear um, as long as that person meets the requirements. And those two requirements are they have to be a righteous individual and most importantly there needs to be a witness of the Spirit. There has to be the witness of the Spirit of God that says, this is my son, my beloved son. And so you can be a good and righteous person, but without the witness of the Spirit, then you cannot be a son of God. But as long as the sons of God maintain their separation and distinction from the unrighteous world, then uh, the Spirit will of God would strive with them as we saw in Genesis 6 how the sons of God took unto them the daughters of men and uh, basically what happens where the righteous men of God started uh, married uh, ungodly women and they started uh, diluting and not diluting the, the righteousness I guess if you will backslide if you will becoming lukewarm or whatever. Uh, whatever that is, basically they did not maintain that separation, Hey, no, we're the sons of God, this is the line, this is what we believe, this is the standards that we hold to, this is what we're going to live by. They started uh, chasing after the, the, girl, the women of the world, and, and what happened was God says, my spirit will not always strive with man. It's, it's not always going to be there. If you're not going to be there for me, if you're not going to live righteous, righteously for me, then why would I be there to contend with them, to help them, encourage them, and comfort them? Uh, and so Jesus, uh, uh, the Word of God says, uh, my spirit will not always strive with them. And so in the term, the term Son of God is, uh, after that, is kind of locked away. We don't really see many uh, many men that are referred to as the sons, sons of God after Genesis 6. It kind of, that term disappears. It shows up in Job, but that's referring to the angels. Uh, and so the term son of God goes dark and it disappears. 
until the New Testament and the birth of Jesus Christ. Um, but our, our text is a, a prophecy recurrent, re, re, referring to that. Isaiah 9 and 6 refers to the Son being born and, and tells us who that Son is. It is the Almighty God. He is the Everlasting Father. And so throughout the entire Old Testament, we see the Spirit of God still interacting with man. But it, it obviously was a little bit different than it was in the beginning. Because in the beginning with Adam, as we know, was, was called the Son of God. The Spirit of God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. And we see Genesis chapters 4 through 6. We continue to see this walking and striving with man. Uh, as the Bible says, Enoch walked with God and then one day he was not for God took him. And so there's still this, this relationship of man walking with God in some form or fashion. There's always been that, some type of interaction with man and God. Abraham conversed with God. Jacob wrestled with him. And, and Moses stood before God as a man does face to face. And as a result of that, Moses' face shone from the glory of God. And, and after being in his presence for so long that he had to cover up his face in order to talk to the rest of the people. But here, it's here with Moses that God introduced the tabernacle plan where his spirit would then dwell and his glory would dwell in this place called the Holy of Holies where only one man would be able to enter into one time a year and to be able to offer the, the atonement uh, for the sins of the people and uh, aren't you thankful that uh, God allows us to come into the throne room as much as we want? That we can boldly come before the throne of grace and we can have this interaction with Him. Why? Because uh, God's Spirit lives inside of us. Can you imagine uh, being the member of a religious body, being a member of a church where the God that you prayed to and worshiped to did not answer back? did not respond back, did not even send his presence in your life and, and have it sweep over you like we feel every time we get together and, and cause the hair on your body to stand at attention. Imagine going to a place where that doesn't happen. There's a lot of religions out there that do just that. That's what they do. They go through all the motions and they, they get really nothing in return. They get nothing in return. Why? Because their God is not alive. It's either it's an image or an idol that God, that man has made. Either the religious figure they pray to is dead and is still dead, but the only the religious figure of one religion was killed and buried and, and rose again on the third day, and he is alive forevermore. And only one has done that, and his name is Jesus. And aren't you thankful that we have him inside of us? He is the Almighty God. He is the everlasting Father. Amen, the Son of God. And you know, it's, it's amazing that uh, on Sunday we... We had a, a great service here, and we had uh, that young lady was baptized in Jesus' name, and, and she was just overwhelmed by the Spirit of God, and she said she had never experienced anything like this before, and, 
and she was weeping and crying, and during the, even during the worship service, she just could not contain herself because of what she felt and the, the spirit and the presence of God. It's amazing to see somebody come into the church and to do that, not even understanding, just, just weeping. But yet on, on the other side of the church or throughout the church, there can be saints who have been in this for years and standing there in worship service just kind of stone cold, just kind of waiting for this to be over and, and when's this going to be over? And Meanwhile, somebody's over here just bawling and weeping their eyes out, barely even, even around. You tell me who's in danger. You tell me who needs prayer. Uh, God help us if we become so callous to the Spirit of God that, that we, it just becomes an interruption in our life and we don't do anything. God will draw people in here that will weep in his presence if we won't do that. If we won't raise our hands, if we won't praise God, if we won't sing to him with our whole heart, God will keep bringing people in that will, that will seek him with their whole heart and cry out to him. And so I don't want to miss out on the chance to worship God, to lift up the name of Jesus because he's done so much for us. So God has always had a plan, and there's always been one. We saw in the beginning of the, of, of the Bible how God kind of walked with mankind and, and had that special relationship. But, but he, he says that I, I need to get on the inside of, of my creation because uh, if I'm going to have any lasting effect on them, I've got to start working from the inside out, not just walking next to them, but i got to get on the inside because it's, it's already proven that I've already walked with Adam and, and that didn't do anything. And I've walked with these other men and still they turn for me. And so I, if I'm going to make any kind of lasting impact, i got to get on the inside of my creation. Up to that point, Genesis 6, if you will, God maintained this external relationship. And, and since all mankind has a, a corrupted mind, body, heart, and soul, um, God says, I've got to make a, another human, and I've got to start all over just as I did with Adam. But this time, it's not going to be another individual. It's going to be me. I'm not going to... Uh, I let I let man have a chance. I let Adam have a chance at doing all this, doing my will on this earth and ruling with dominion, and, and he failed. And so if it's going to be done, I've got to do it myself. And so God says, i I got to come down, and I've got to show mankind what it means to live and be a, a child of God and so to be an example for humanity to follow. And so God made a human body. And, um, and it's uh, God's spirit that fills it and gives it life. And we see in John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. In verse 14, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, you know why Jesus is referred to as the only begotten son is because God only came once. And so there's no other begotten. He only came once. He only needs to come once to do it right. And so he is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 1 Timothy 3.16, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, 
justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. That was God. John 14 and 8. Jesus, uh, Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. And Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long with you, yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Why? Again, Matthew, uh, Isaiah 9 and 6, uh, the Son is the everlasting Father. Obviously, Philip forgot that verse that, hey, you're, you're looking at me, you're looking at the Father. And, and so we see that Jesus... Uh, is God manifested in the flesh, and he uh, is the, the real example of what it means to, to live uh, as the child or the son of God. Romans 5 and 12 kind of talks about this plan, wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, and even over them that had not sinned after the multitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. And so Adam was the figure of of one that was to come. And who was that? That was Jesus. So Jesus was really the the prototype, the example. And Adam was made in the image of of what Jesus would look like. But yet, obviously, God had to come at the right time. He had to allow civilization and the world to build up. Had Jesus just showed up in the beginning, there had been no one else. So he's like, I'm making Adam after the one that was by the one that was going to come a few thousand years later. And so... And verse 19 of Romans 5, for as by one man's disobedience were made sinners, and so the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. And so Jesus, uh, God came to be that example so that all can uh, be made righteous. And so the first prototype, Adam, who the Bible we see was called the son of God, he failed. He failed to show us what a son of God looks like, acts like, and behaves like. And so God's like, I've got to come and show mankind what it truly means to be a son of God. Uh, And so he would uh, be made from the Spirit to be uh, born of the Spirit. And, and, And that was the difference. Adam was the first son of God created by the Spirit. Jesus, the son of God, was the first one born of the Spirit. So Adam was made and Jesus was born. Um, 1 Corinthians, we see this, and so it is written. The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam, which is Jesus, was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first, which is spiritual. Adam wasn't spiritual, but that which is natural. And afterward, that which is spiritual. Jesus was the spiritual uh, example. The first man is of the earth. Earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they that are earthy. And as is heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. As we have borne the image of the earthy, 
we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. And so uh, that's talking about being born again. You, you're born naturally, but Jesus says, hey, you've got to be born again. If you want to bear the image of the heavenly, you've got to be born of the Spirit. And so as long as the Spirit of God walks side by side with an earthly, natural man, there would always be that separation, spirit and flesh, earthy and heavenly. Now Jesus was the example, the prototype, that to, to take this fallen earthly man and have it reborn by the Spirit of God to show us what a true Son of God looks like. And that is why... We see Jesus praying. We see him fasting. We see him rebuking devils. We see him healing the sick and raising the dead. We see him doing the very things that he, we are told to do. Why? Because he had, to, he, he had to put that flesh into subjection. He had to put that earthy body into subjection of the, of the heavenly. And so, again, he was the example. Jesus was the example. And so if Jesus was God, why did he have to pray? Well, he had to pray to get that flesh into subjection, just like you and I have to pray to get our flesh into subjection uh, to the Spirit. And so he is the example of what a son of God truly is. He was the first son that was born of the Spirit. Romans 8 and 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. We all know that and we reference that when things are going bad. Oh, all things are going to work together for the good. And they do, uh, called according to his purpose. But what is his purpose? What is God's purpose? We, we talk about the will of God and we talk about the purpose of God. Do we, do we know what that is or is it just kind of something that we say, that we, that we wake up every day and say, uh, I guess I'll take a guess at what God's will is for today. Well, he tells us uh, in the very next verse what that purpose is. Verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. And so we, the purpose of God in our life is to be conformed to the image of his son. God wants us to be his son, to be made into his son, to be, to be made into his image and, and likeness of his son. And so the purpose of God, the will of God is for us to be conformed into that image of Jesus Christ that's what he wants for our, our life. If you're unsure what your future is, what your plan is, all you've got to do is refer back to this and say, I need to be more like Jesus. What is it that's keeping me from being like Jesus? That's you aligning yourself with the will of God because that's what he wants us to be, conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And we have to be conformed. We have already conformed to the image of the first Adam. We don't have to work at that. Just being born and we're already like Adam, the first Adam. Adam was the figure of the one to come, Jesus. And so we need to stop aligning ourselves with Adam and say, I need to start aligning myself with the heavenly Adam, with Jesus Christ, because that is what we need to be like. That is what we need to be conformed to, the image of Jesus. And so for whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be, Jesus might be, the firstborn of many brethren. So what does that mean? 
Jesus, the Son of God, is the firstborn of many brethren. It seems that Jesus is not the only child. It sounds like there are more sons that are to be born. Jesus is the firstborn of many brethren. He sets the example for all the other sons and daughters of God that will be born that we can say, oh, that's who I need to be like. That's who I need to emulate. That's who I need to follow after. Not after the first Adam, but after the second Adam. And so if Jesus is the firstborn son of God, then he should show us what we should do to become the son of, to become a son of God. John 3 and 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, earthy is earthy. That which is born of the spirit is spirit, as we we saw that in, in Romans, or 1 Corinthians, talking about earthy is the first, the second is spiritual. Uh... Verse 7, marvel not that I said unto you must be born again. Why? Get away from that first Adam, that first uh, son of God, and get back to Jesus. And there are so many people out there that believe that in order to see the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, you just got to be a nice person. Well, Jesus said, if you're not born of the water of the spirit, you're not going to see it. I don't know how plainly, more plainly it can be. And and he repeats it, you must be born again. In five verses, Jesus says three times, you must be born again. That must be pretty important. And so we know that born of the water is to be baptized in Jesus' name. uh, But how do we know that we have been born of the Spirit? He goes on to say in verse 8, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. But cannot tell whence it cometh, whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And so we know that, uh, obviously, being born of the Spirit, you hear that sound. You hear the speaking in tongues. And so if Jesus, as Scripture says, is the firstborn among many brethren, and he's telling us that we need to be born of the water and of the Spirit, uh, then he, we should be seeing him do that as well, right? Luke three twenty one. Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, uh, the heaven was opened up. And so Jesus uh, was born of the water. Just like he tells us to be born of the water, Jesus was baptized. Now if there's anybody that did not need to be baptized, it was Jesus. But he says, I've, if I'm the firstborn of many brethren, I've got to show the way. I've got to be baptized as well according to... Uh, to uh, the scripture. And so uh, now to be born of the spirit, how do we know that is born, to, that we are born of the spirit? We, we hear that sound, the spirit of, uh, uh, of, the wi- of the witness of the spirit. God's spirit will testify that, hey, this is my son. Um, this, is, uh, this is the sign to know that this is my son. And so we, in verse 22, after he was baptized, The Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice, a sound came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee am I well pleased. And so there was the sound from heaven, a witness of the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is not just going to descend upon a random person, but no, only somebody who is submitted to the Word of God and is repentant of their sins and, and baptized in Jesus' name. And so since Jesus... Technically, 
was born of the water and born of the Spirit, just like he tells us to do. If, he, if we want to be a son of God, we got to do the same thing. And so Jesus filled those requirements easily. And so since he would be going back to heaven and not be hanging out with everyone else, what did he do? He said, I'm giving Peter, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. Now, Peter, you go and tell the world how to become a child of God, how to become a son, how to become a daughter, because that's what the will is for us to be predestined uh, to conform to the image of his son. And so what did he, what did he do? As we all know, uh, Acts 2.38, then Peter said unto them, repent to be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There we go, being born again. That's that transformation process from, from, from moving from that first Adam to the second Adam, moving from the earthy to the heavenly, and that is through the born again process that Jesus commands us to do in order to see that. Musicians, if you would come. Romans 8 and 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You have to be led by the Spirit. Again, it's the Spirit that confirms whether you're not you're a child of God. You can do all your good deeds. You can give all the money to the, to the, to the Santa Claus ringing the, the bell. Uh, you can give all your money to them, but that doesn't mean you're a child of God. What makes you a child of God is the Spirit of God attesting in your life. There's a witness, there's a sound, there's something that's supernatural that happens from the Spirit of God that says, hey, there's something different about this person. Verse 15, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, God's in the adoption program. And again, we learned that being a son, you can be adopted and still be somebody's son. That doesn't matter. You, As long as you are the son, you meet the requirements, uh, you are that. And so we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Jesus walked around saying, my father, my father, my father. What do we do? We got the spirit of Christ, the spirit of God. What do we walk around? Father, father, father. Again, we're just following what Jesus did, the firstborn of many brethren. And so when we receive the Holy Ghost and start speaking in other tongues, we hear the sound of the spirit and we know what is being said. Father, father, Thank you for adopting me. Thank you for letting me be your son, your daughter. Thank you for letting me be a part of your family. Uh, I know that I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve to be called a child of God, a, a son of the king. I don't deserve this, but, but, but the spirit that you gave me makes me cry out, Abba, Father. And I'm uh, beyond grateful to be a part of what God is doing in, our, in this world and his plan. And I want to be conformed to the image of his son. Romans 8.16, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And so we're, we're understanding and realizing that just because Jesus is called the Son of God, it does not mean that he's a completely different God, but we're, we're the sons of God. And so if we're the sons of God, would that make more gods as well if Jesus is a separate and so 1 John 3 and 1, Behold what manner uh, the love of, of the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. 
Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. During this whole process of being conformed to the image of his son, we don't know exactly what we're going to end up looking like. Uh, but we're just, we're just submitting to the process. God, form me, conform me, shape me into your image, to your will, into the image of your son. And, and we don't know what that's going to look like, but when Jesus shows up, we're going to see him. And then we're going to be like him because we're, 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 we're submitted to the same spirit. And we cry out, Abba, Father, we have the same father. And so we are the same uh, family. And so Jesus is not the only Son of God because we are all sons now if we've received the Spirit. Jesus is the only begotten, meaning he's the only human body of God who came once. God's not going to make another body and possess it. He's already done that once before, and so he is the only begotten. And we are the, the children of God. And when the disciples asked Jesus, Teach them how to pray. Look at what the firstborn says. Matthew 6, 9. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our Father, one day you will, you will receive that spirit of adoption. Then you too can truly say, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Because you truly will be a child of God. And, and here we go. Jesus, we will be your brothers. Jesus will be our brother because he is the firstborn of many brethren. Romans 8, 16, as you stand with me tonight, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. A joint heir means you, you guys are sharing. We're sharing in this together. Joint heirs with Jesus. Why? Because we're brothers by the Spirit of God. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. And so, uh, what a great thing it is to be called the Son of God. But not just to bear that title, but to live that way. We, you can't just walk around with a badge and say, I'm the child of God. You got to live that way. We've got to submit ourselves to the Word of God and His will and be conformed to His Son, uh, the image of His Son, the firstborn of many brethren. And so the, Jesus is the Son of God, the only begotten Son. But remember we also mentioned that He was the Son of Abraham, the Son of David. Why is He referred to as the Son of David? Well, because didn't God tell David that the throne will never pass from your, from your lineage? And when Jesus comes back and returns, he's going to sit on David's throne. And he's going to rule on this world. And that, that makes him the son of David that ties him to that. But he's also called the son of Abraham. Why is he called the son of Abraham? Because remember when God told Abraham, to thy seed I will, I will bless, bless those that bless thee and curse thee that curse thee. Galatians 3.16, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but he said as of one, one seed, and to thy seed, which is Christ. 
Christ is the seed of Abraham. Christ is the son of Abraham. And so if Christ is the son of Abraham, then all those promises, the eternal covenant that was made with Abraham now applies to Jesus Christ. Um, in verse 17, and this I say that the covenant that was confirmed before God, of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul, cannot be taken away, that it should make the promise of none effect, for that if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. And what is one of the, the promises that was given to the seed of Abraham? Thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Abraham, thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And so that means you have total control over your enemy, total dominion. And if now Christ is the seed of Abraham, that means Jesus has all power over the enemy, all power in heaven and earth because he is the son of Abraham. Skipping down to verse 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. If Christ is the son of Abraham, the seed of Abraham, and we put him on, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. And so not only is Jesus the heir of Abraham and, and get to inherit the promises, the eternal promises that were made, but if we are Christ, if we put on Christ, then that means we too are Abraham's seed. And that means we too get to inherit the promises that God spoken many, many years ago. And as I said, the seed of Abraham shall possess the gate of his enemies. And so if we are a child of God, that we have access to the power and dominion that Jesus had. Why? Because we're all of the same spirit. That means that we can we possess the gate of our enemies, that we can take control over the gate of the enemies, and we can command them and bind them and loose them by the power that is given inside of us by the Spirit of God. And so, yes, we are the children of God, but with that comes power, comes authority, comes dominion to rule and to reign in this world just like Jesus did. Amen. Aren't you thankful to be a part of the family of God? We don't just want to walk around like we're somebody, but no, God's given us that power to do something. And we now have to bind and to loose and to set free. Amen. And to pull down the will of heaven into this world. Amen. And so what a what a great gift that not only Jesus came to this world to be an example, but the great gift of salvation that we can experience all this as well, that where we whereby we cry, Abba Father. Amen. At this time of the year, amen, we turn to Jesus, turn to him, recognize his so-called birth, which he wasn't born on December 25th. But we're recognizing the Son. If we're recognizing the Son, we too are the sons and daughters of God. And I want to—I know—I just don't want to walk around with that name tag. But God wants us to live that out, right? You believe that with me? We have the power. Amen. As we sing tonight, why don't we just thank God? Why don't we give Him praise for what He has done, for the great gift of salvation He's presented to us, that we can be called the sons of God. Hallelujah, he deserves it all. And the honor.
deserves the glory. Lord, we lift our hands Thank you, Jesus. as we magnify your name. You deserve Hallelujah, the glory. Jesus. You deserve it all, Lord. And the honor. Hallelujah. Lord, we lift our hands. 